Hi, this is James Altucher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode... The only person that I can blame is myself. Don't blame anyone else. Because I make my own choices, and I only have to live with one person, and that's myself. You know, so when all of that blame, all of those years, just like, what am I doing, man? I'm wasting so much energy and time on this shit, you know? And that was kind of like when everything, the floodgates opened, when I let that go. And I was just like, man, I'm blaming people who had no idea. So give credit where credit is due and leave blame alone, you know, and take some accountability for your own actions. Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Circle, where we've built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure, which I've come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place, one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission. And I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. Hello, this is Josh McCown, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business. Reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I am your most happy and humbled host. As always, I am with a really cool dude, a friend of mine, someone that I met through another wonderful friend uh, named Claude Silver, who introduced us. Um, and Ken and I have been talking for a while, and I'm happy and really looking forward to exploring his story with you and deep diving and pulling out all the nuggets and lessons that have been learned that we can implement into our lives. So welcome to the show, Ken Landon, my brother. Right on, man. This is finally happening? Yeah, man. This We're is here. happening, right? This is us, like, man. We're talking. Right. We've, we met, I, dude, I want to say we met earlier this year, probably, I don't know, it was like after New Year's. Uh, you reached out and you're like, hey, man, um, Claude told me to reach out to you. And we started talking and we've talked many times after then um, about many things. Uh, but I, before we start unpacking all those things, uh, what I know of you, I'm going to share with the audience in that um, you you were you were in the drywall industry for like 
24, 25 years. And, um, you know, you, you were hustling, you were grinding, you were literally, you know, blood, sweat, tears, calluses, you know, you're always that dude. Whenever I shake your hand, I'm like, man, this guy worked real hard for a living. <laughs> like my hands are like, like a baby's bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't do manual labor and I appreciate you. Um, but yeah, you did all that and you, you, we're going to, I want to walk through your story, man, how you figured it all out. You sold everything, you lost everything. There's so many ups and downs in your life. And, um, currently you're, you're in the microbrew industry and you have such amazing, uh, beers that you sent to me. And thank you so much for, for sending it. Dude, did I tell you that I, that I had the stout? Holy sh- yeah. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed Dude, it. I the really stout. am. Amazing. Um, and yeah. my buddy, I'm not a huge IPA fan. I, I, I do like IPAs. Um, but there was one in particular. I can't remember exactly. It was so good, dude. Yeah, I was like, I'm down with this one too. So yeah, I, I we cracked. We probably drank half a dozen of them, uh, <laughs> me and my brother-in-law. <laughs> and I, I meant to take pictures and send them to you. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. But yeah, let's get into it, man. You were also, you know, in local radio. You were a radio guy. Uh, you had a show. You had a following. Um, there's a lot to your story that I want to unpack. Uh, but let's start in the beginning, man. Let's start with what it was like growing up in the Landon household, <laughs> specifically the dinner oh, table. Oh. Well, first and foremost, Eric, thank you so much for having me on the show. It means a lot to me. We gravitated to each other a long time ago. Um, it, we just, I don't know, there was just something sometimes, and you know, things about people we talked um, I, I'm a big fan of your show, um, and through your show, it's really, really driven me to uh, follow a lot of other people in your industry that I really, really enjoy. Um, so your topic and the things that you're doing um, are absolutely changing people's lives. And please don't ever stop doing what you're doing because it's it's pretty powerful. Um, Thank you for very special day here today. It's Cinco de Mayo, and it also happens to be my son's birthday. So happy wow. birthday to my son Brian, well, um, May fifth. So uh, what it was like growing up in the landed household, you know, hey, we all had our challenges. Um, we were just talking off air, right? I grew up a pretty angry kid, man. Um, and I, I was debating whether to share something on air with you or not. It was something that I, I don't think I've ever really talked about um, to really not too many people, only the really close friends and not, e- not even close friends, you know, my girlfriend and you know, growing up in my house young was an interesting dynamic. Uh, my mom, my mom had me when she was 18 years old. She had three kids by the time she was 25. So, uh, growing up in that time, when I was about seven, six, I'm trying to think now, seven, eight years old, the biggest person in your life, influencer in your life, who's typically, we want to say is your father, right? I came home and and, you know, my mom was sobbing and she said, you know, I said, wow, what's, what, what's going on? You know, I said, well, your dad's leaving. He's not coming back. I was eight years old. Like I said, three kids. My mom had three kids. So here we are in a house. I had a, my, my sister was uh, six. My brother was two. And now I'm the man in the house. You know, my mom's working like crazy. So I became really, really angry. Um, and, and I took it out in, in, in areas where I probably shouldn't have. Um, I was a very athletic kid, so I was very, very fast. I was a fast runner. So what I did was is I turned that anger into, in, into something that I probably shouldn't at that age. But I didn't really know how to express myself any differently. So I really, in, in, in school, I became that, that asshole. I was that bully. I was bullying kids and 
you know, taking my anger out on them. I lived close enough to the school at that time that I would, I would walk. So every day what I would do is, is I would torture these kids and torment these kids. And I wouldn't say torture, that's a little aggressive, but uh, do things that bullies do, you know, whether it was the bigger kid or the larger kid or the kid who was different. I took advantage of that because I was an angry individual and I would run home. They couldn't catch me. I was a very fast kid and I would run home and I would run into my house and I would stand at the big bay window and I would just look at them and gesture them and do things that, you know, kids do at eight, nine years old. So one day I ran home and <clears throat> my mom locked the door. And the group caught up to me in front of the house and they proceeded to kick my ass on the front lawn while my mother stood there sobbing in the window. And the little did I know this man, I'm 57 years old, this happened a very long time ago. I don't talk about it much, but it's still in my subconscious. It comes around. Little did I know at that moment in time, that would be the biggest lesson I probably have ever learned in my life. You know, um, and from that moment on, not only did I know that there was going to be a lot of beat downs and it was going to be a lot of things that, that point to me in different directions of, from what I was doing, but I also realized, like, you know, how to how to treat people. Um, and I was young. And again, I was the man of the house at eight, nine years old. I took care of my brother and sister, you know, so um I proceeded to, you know, continue to be angry and whatnot. But as I progressed in throughout that school year, I actually became friends with the same people that I was enemies with. So it taught me a really, really big lesson. And obviously, it's pretty significant because 50 plus years later, I'm still talking about it. Or at least I'm not talking about it, but it's in my head and I've never really talked about it. And I think now it's the time, you know, it's kind of like brought me to terms with myself, self-awareness and whatnot of who, who the person I am today, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my mom worked two jobs. I took care of my brother and sister. Could you imagine nine years old? I'm, I'm nine years old. I'm taking care of, I'm changing diapers, you know. I used to leave leave my brother and sister at the house and, and by themselves, and I would go meet my mom at her second job at midnight, walk down Vets Highway on Long Island, and, and walk her home just so she couldn't walk, walk back and forth. So I, I, I grew up very, very quickly. Um, and, and by the time I was, uh, 10, 11 years old, you know, I was an athlete. I wanted to play football. We had no money. And my, I, I had in a paper came out and said, Hey, pop Warner football. I want to play. Looked at my mom and she said, we don't have that money. I said, well, I want to play. She said, well, get a job. And I went and got a job and I got my first paper out. And, uh, you know, from then on in the work ethic set in, um, learn the value of a dollar very quickly at a very, very young age. And proceeded to live my life as a young, young boy, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. It's funny how, how shit turns, you know, because uh, like I said earlier, your father becomes your biggest, you look up to, you want to have that person looked up to. I didn't have that. Later on, I realized, you know, my father was a very manipulative person, not only to his kids, but to his, 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 my mom. When I was 13 years old, I actually left my mom and my brother and sister and moved in with my father. And I think what drove me to do that was is, is never really having that young bond with your father. And now I got an opportunity to have that bond with my father at 13 years old. Like, hey, man, I can't pass this opportunity up. This is one on one time. 
Little did I know that was the very, very beginning of me growing up extremely quick because my father was, like I said, a very manipulative person and um, uh, was basically, I was moved. I left my mom and my brother and sister and she had been remarried and I moved back to Queens with my father and I proceeded to go through eighth grade, ninth grade and high, my high school years unsupervised completely unsupervised. I mean, literally, Eric, I signed my own goddamn report card. You know, I forged my own report card. So I didn't have that 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 mentor. I didn't have that guidance um, from a father figure until my uncle came into the picture. But, um, you know, being that age and going through those toughest times, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, it, it was so difficult to navigate with no supervision and no one to talk to. And you get into things that you shouldn't get into. You know, drugs, drugs are, I mean, you wanted to go down that, that line, 14, 15, I was doing shit 14, 15 that people never experienced their whole lives. You know, I'm, I look back and I'm grateful that I did have the opportunity to try those things and figure it out. But, you know, I also believe that you don't, you shouldn't put a kid that, that of that age in that position. You know, thank goodness that I came out of it and I survived. But it was some challenging times. It really yeah. was. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, man. And um, it, it paints a it paints a great picture that um, I think a lot of people can relate to, especially me. Uh, you know, well, we got the New York thing, but also um, just I was a latch a latchkey kid, and you know, my parents were both working, and they were never really around, and I was just hanging with my sister, my cousins, and just wreaking havoc and doing whatever we wanted to do. Um, you know, you name it, like you said, as we got older, got exposed to it, drugs, alcohol, um, just no rules, <laughs> you know, no rules. and, and, yeah. and my parents were also very unaware of what was going on. Like they didn't know. I, I remember going into one kid, they'll never forget him, Louis Asuba, my best friend at the time in sixth grade. And he, um, we walked into his dad's house, into his, his house and his dad grabbed his hands and said, let me smell your fingers because we had been smoking cigarettes. I was like, wow, this dude knows, like, what is he, a cop? Like, but uh, like my dad would never know to do that stuff. Um, but um, just just aware, I, my, my kids aren't going to get away with anything in my household because I know everything. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of new stuff out there. But but the point I wanted to make here is interesting is that um, the difference between I want to I want to kind of unpack this with you. So we all have these entrepreneurial sort of, uh, you know, tendencies, it's in our DNA. And uh, especially when it comes from, from that hustle and grind type of environment where we have to figure it out and we don't have rules. And the things that I'm hearing from you, you probably didn't or wouldn't have made a good employee, you know, because, you know, you don't like the rules because you don't normally have rules in your life. So then all of a sudden, why would I work out in an environment where, you know, someone's my boss telling me what to do? Um, so like the paper route and some other, I'm sure, jobs that kind of cater towards you, you know, developing and just making up your own rules. So but the funny thing about that is um, what's the difference between us hustling, getting with paper routes, selling candy or cigarettes, whatever it was, um, and someone else who does that but goes the criminal route. Like they go, like we do it legitimately. Somehow we figure it out. I mean, not saying that I didn't do things that were illegal, you know, like selling bootleg videos, <laughs> you know, things like that and other sort of things that are not, uh, you know, that are frowned upon. But um, what was it that stopped you because I, I know the answer for me, but like, what was the what what stopped you from just going that whole criminal route and just like 
being a legitimate business owner? Honestly, um, I really, I really didn't give myself, this is, I'm going back to like 13, 14 years old, right? So I learned to trade. My uncle came into the picture and became my mentor, right? Um, so he taught me a trade at 13, 14 years old, literally 14 years old. I knew how to tape. I knew how to sheetrock. Like that's how, what I learned. So what I did was, is I absorbed myself in that. I learned the value of a dollar very, very quickly. And I loved it. Right. I also had a great work ethic. I had a work ethic because I had no choice. So while a lot of other people were out there spending their times don't get me wrong. I did my chair partying and, and those types of things. Um, I was always focused on making money and working hard um, and seeing people who learned how to make money, but differently, like you said, and, and the, the problems that arose from them and the, 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 the torment that they gave their parents or their close ones of going to jail or, you know, the ones that we lost way too early because they made poor choices. And I said, you know what, I can continue to work and hard and make money. Um, but ultimately the choices that I make are going to define me for the, the future, you know, and, and thank goodness, look, Eric, I'm just, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's chalk a lot of it up to luck. Because there were many, many, many times when it could have been me and not my buddy. You know, it could have been me very, very many, many times. So luck had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, but, but I think developing the value of a dollar, a good work ethic from a very, very young age, it had its benefits. It, it had its, its, you know, it had its downs too. You know, I can't tell you, you know, a 15 year old walking around with a ton of money in his pocket, how much trouble you can get into. Um, you know, but that was just being absorbed in that. That was my focus. You know, I didn't have anything else. All I knew how to do was work, you know, um, and make money. And I knew a trade. Little did I know it was really grooming me for later on in life when I had a trade. Until this day, I still have that trade. You know, I can still start. I, I can still attempt anything else. And if I, I know in my mind, if I do fail, which we all fail, I do have something that I can fall back on. And a lot of people don't have that. You know, a lot of people are scared to venture out because there's, they don't have anything else. I'm lucky that I learned something very, very young. And that's why I'm a big proponent for learning a trade or, or, or developing a skill that you'll have for the entire life. And I'm not saying I do it every day anymore, but you know what? I could do it tomorrow if I had to. Right. But I got there. It's really, that's long-winded to go to your question. But honestly, I got lucky. I really did. And and I look back and I know I got lucky. And I don't one day ever take that for granted. The the one thing that you mentioned to me, or you just mentioned here, is that um, a mentor, having a guide or somebody that can point you in the right direction when you need it, that's critical, right? Because if you, let's, let's just take Mike Tyson, for instance, you know, who, sure. who grew up yeah. in the hood, you know, rough and tough, that, that guy could have just been a killer straight up and, and not legitimately in the ring, but just like, you know, he'd be in jail right now if it weren't for Customato finding him and, and nurturing him and being the mentor and guide that he needed in his life and made him the greatest. Literally, and I don't even think it's debatable to me uh, anyway, that he was the greatest and has been the greatest fighter of all time. Um, it's harnessing that power and recognizing that you have the build, the ability. And, and the thing that for me, I think that you and I potentially had and most people who had that skill set when they were very young, um, a level of self-awareness 
that we probably didn't call. So we weren't even aware enough to call it self-awareness, but we knew we didn't want to do that, right? We knew that wasn't me. Like you point to your buddy over there that's, you know, selling dope (laughs) and you're like, you know what? It's not really for me or like, I don't want to do that, you know, uh, because that's not me. And like, you already knew your values um, very early on and you followed that sort of GPS towards, towards whatever path you thought was right. But um, I also, you know, I also think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there, but yeah, it's yeah. running through my mind. Um, the, the limited amount of structure that I did have for myself. And when I say very, very limited, what I mean by that is just that I, I knew that I liked to make money. I knew I had a good work ethic. So I knew that every day, no matter what, or whatever, whatever time I had to be there, I had to work. That was in my mind. Like you have to work. So as little as that structure actually was, it kept me in that meandering lane that, that you know, it, it, it gave me like bumpers, like, I, I, like a boundary. Like, okay, I didn't feel right. Like if I didn't go to work, you know, like I'm, now, I'm a, now I'm, a, I'm a bum, you know, or whatever the case may be, you yeah. know, even at a young age. So developing that. So that structure for me really kept me in, in, a very, very, very small line, but I thank goodness that I had that structure, you know, yeah. where a lot of my friends, they had no purpose. They were on Saturday morning. There was no purpose. Right. There was no purpose here. There's no time. I got nothing to do. I didn't even have to go and cut the grass. There was nothing out there. So what? eventually what's going to happen is you're going to get yourself into trouble. You're going to get into trouble. Yeah. Have you ever felt like a lone wolf in life, unable to engage in chats around the barbecue since you're doing things that aren't the norm? Enter GoBundance, a place for driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, or investors who want to experience world-class adventure, bucket list trips, high-minded conversations, authentic relationships, and an environment to learn and grow with like-minded individuals, where you're able to share in all of your successes, your struggles, ambitions, and even your failures without being judged. It's the best place for men and women to come together to live epic lives and to grab life big. If you want to learn more about GoBundance, go to GoBundance.com and apply to be in the tribe. And I hope to see you at the next virtual or live event. So at what point did you start to legitimize the drywalling? Like, so you were working with your uncle, but eventually it became your thing, right? 24 years having your own drywall company, you know, that evolved over time. You know, I learned to trade very young. Um, I was lucky enough that, that that it was, you know, the family was working in Manhattan at the time. I got into the union um, right out of high school. I excelled very, very quickly within the union. I got to, you know, I, I, I raised the ranks very quick because I, I already knew the trade. Now it was just a matter of learning the business and how to handle myself as a young man, right? Um, you didn't have to teach me, but I, I knew more than some people that were in their thirties. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I excelled very, very quickly in pay scale wise. And, and I got to a point where my ceiling was, was capped. And I said, okay, what's next? And 20, 21 years old, went into my own business. And, uh, you know, that's, that's when the real challenges started. And that's where, you know, the learning and the, the really, really selling myself and, and developing people skills and, working with all different varieties of life. You know, at one point I had 45 guys working for me, male and female. So, you know, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities. Um, Were you in the, was it residential or commercial or both? 
the first union I was in who was in, a, in the city was actually the Painters and uh, Plasters Union in uh, mm-hmm. 1974 when I entered it. And, you know, look, my, my at that point in time, I had a really, really weird, strange, dynamical like relationship with my father. And uh, it was his company. He got me. He, he did some things for me that, of course, I'm grateful for. Um, but we also had it's, the, the the bad memories were much. There were much more bad memories than there were good memories. You know, when you when when the person who's supposed to be your mentor and the idol in your life, you know, tells you you're going to be a loser, um, you never amount to anything. Um, there may not be any greater motivator in the world than someone who tells me that. And I carry that with me from my 20s, my 30s. And don't tell me that I can't do that. My father had told me that for years. You'll get divorced just like the rest of us. You'll never be anything just like the rest of us. When you have someone that you really look up to tell you that on a consistent basis, you start believing that. And there were many, many times in my 20s where I was just like, holy shit, man, I'm not going to, this is it. I didn't go to college. I don't have college education. Um, and it, it motivated me even more to say, you know, I'm no, oh no, no, I'm not that person. I'm going to be the one that's going to break this mold, you know, um, forget about college education, you know, forget about, forget about relationships, forget about this is, you know, this is about me, you know, um, but it also made me understand, um, that I had a, a, a commitment and a responsibility to the people that I brought on board with me, you know, to make sure that they were, <clears throat> they had jobs, they had a place to go. So I took on that responsibility also at a very, very young age. And I never put, never put myself first. It was always the, 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 the company or the people that worked for me, they always got paid first. They always got, and if anybody was going to feel the brunt of who was me, it was my company. I always felt that that was my responsibility. And, um, you know, so my drywall company grew significantly and, 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 you know, my, my values, you know, the things I used to just tell my guys, listen, man, people can do it faster. People can do it cheaper, but they're never going to do it better. And if we can do it better, we're going to be successful and the business is going to be successful. And all of you are going to be successful with me by your side. And I was never that guy. I was always on the job, you know, and, and, and I did that for 20, 25 years, you know, and I had guys working for me for 16 years, 15 years, 17 years, one dude. I literally have a kid that works for me. Kid, he's in his 50s now. He worked for me from the very, very beginning. He worked for me for 19 years. I literally, we spoke about him. We didn't know. You said, may the force be with you. I texted him yesterday because he was a Star Wars fan. So I still have that relationship with this with this guy. Uh, he worked for me for 19 years and I still talk to him. You know what I mean? So it's it, yeah. those types of things are, are 100%. Incredible. Dude, I mean, business is business, um, and we can look at them as strategies and tactics, but for me, it's always about the people. Like, I don't care what the business is. I don't care what industry, um, you know, virtual, in-person, it doesn't matter. It's about the people because the people make that shit work, and the people are the ones that drive the boat. And if the people aren't in it, then, you know, nothing's getting done. And I, I recognize that in you very early when we, you know, we've been talking um, for a while that, 
you, you're a people person, right? You love people. You love pouring into people. And you even told me that when you had the drywall company, uh, you know, you, you poured into them, like you said, and as you mentioned here, it was always about like their health and their wellness and their families. Um, but then you also, you, you've been with them for so long that you saw them pay off mortgages, you mentioned to me, yes. you know, and you helped yeah. them to do that, which is, that's fulfilling to me. Yeah. Yeah, it is fulfilling. You know, um, again, being selfless like that is, is look, that has its, its trials and tribulations as well, right? I didn't learn to take care of myself, put myself first, not in a selfish way, until later in life. And I think that comes with time and wisdom and, and, and understanding that if you're not good for yourself and you're not good to yourself, you're no good to anyone else. And, uh, you know, it took a long time for me to, to even, honestly, uh, till this day, I, I did, I still have like, I, I can get a little bit of a guilt feeling if I don't go into the office or if I don't work or if I don't do something to take care of myself. You know, I was always the guy that was like, yeah, I'm sick. I'm going to work. Um, that, you know, I, I was always that guy. So that had, it was tough to overcome that as well because I never put myself first. I never put myself out there. And, and, and that's why I love the, you know, the self-awareness that came later on in life. Like, like I try and talk about that a little bit more for people early in their lives. Like really understand like who you are, what you, what you want and look at the end. You know, it's about the journey, right? Look at, yeah. the, look at the end. Where do you want to see it? Like if you start a company, visualize that company, when it's fully built and how you want to see it. And then the journey is, 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 is what you concentrate on now, but you already know, not meandering around and wondering and changing and, you know, cause that's going to happen organically anyway. But, um, I, I, you know, I don't know where I was going with that, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it took a long time. It took yeah. a long time just to soul search. It took a long, I was an angry person for me yeah. to talk about this. I was angry, angry, angry for a long time. But then eventually you figured some things out, right? A lot of things that, that helped you on this path to where you are now. Uh, the, the Ken that I know and love and have met is the guy that wants to give back, right? The one that wants to give value back to people. Um, but eventually uh, you did have to leave the drywall uh, industry because you, you, you said there's something else, right? You, you had 70 cents in your pocket. Tell that story, brother. Like you're 45 years old and you sold everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. I got to a point where in the drywall industry when I've done it all, I've done it. You know, I, I want to go back slightly a little bit too and make, you know, for, for give anybody some value. Money was never my motivation. And I think that if money is a motivator, I, I made a lot of money when I was younger, but I never really, it never dawned on me till later on in life. Like, hey, you made a lot of money. It was never a thing. So I was never motivated by money. What motivated me the most to go into my own business, I never really made tons of money. I lived a very, I live a comfortable life. You know, um, if, if going into my own business gave me the luxury to come and go as I please, just like you said earlier, I would never be someone's employee. Eventually when I had my son at the age of 27, what did I want to give to him that I never had? Obviously, I wanted to give him the structure and be there for him no matter what. So I sacrificed the money to start my, I started my own company, sacrificed the money to come and go as I please. If I had to leave at four o'clock, I left at four o'clock. I didn't have anybody to answer to. And I was at every game. I was at every, every 
function that he, I made his launch in the morning, dropped him off at 3K, was at his graduate. Everything you could possibly think of that you want to go above and beyond that you didn't have, right? That I didn't have when I was younger. And that's really the only reason that propelled me into my own business because I could have worked for someone else and, and, and probably made three times as much money, but I wouldn't have the freedom. And, um, you know, uh, when my son eventually went off, decided to go off to college, that was, that was the moment when I was like, all right, 25 years in the drywall industry, there's more. There's more. I got to do more. I can't just sit on my ass. You know, I got to get out. It's physical. So at the age of 45, I sold everything in my, in my life, you know, um, for, to get into an industry that I had a passion for. Again, not a money driven person. It wasn't for the money. Sold my house, uh, liquidated, uh, all my finances and, you know, opened my first location in uh, upstate New York in um, uh, 2009, you know, but you talk about when you, at 45 years old, people looked at me like I had, I was out of my mind. You're uprooting, you're moving, you're selling everything. You had zero, you, you have nothing. And I'm just like, it's just the passion that I have. I want to do it. And was it hard? Was it scary? You better fucking believe it was. <laughs> It was the scariest shit I ever did in my life. Well, you know, here's a kid at 15, 16 years old. He always had money. Now here I'm at 45. I got 70 cents in my pocket and I'm looking to buy a building and start a business. Are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> like what are you thinking, dude? My friends are like, what are you thinking? Are you, like, are you kidding? You're going to sell your house. You're gonna... And I just did it. So I was, I was just like, you know what? Was I that smart or was I that stupid? I don't know. You know, and here I am, you know, through a pandemic and 14 years later, you know, we're, we're still doing it. We're struggling. But I mean, um, you know, it's, it's just been an incredible journey. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Let's talk a little bit about that, man. Like, so you got into something that you were passionate about, right? So that, that became the main driver and the fuel for you to keep pushing forward. Um, let's talk about, you did many things other than own a, open a microbrewery. Um, you know, it was a restaurant as well. And then you also jumped into a little bit of radio yes. uh, and created your yeah. own radio show. Uh, what, what was the strategy behind that? Were, were you like, okay, this is going to help my other business here? Like, was it, was it thought out or was it just spontaneous? Yeah, the radio show was an incredible experience for me from 2013 to 2017 before I even think podcasts were a thing, you know? Um, I got invited to go on a local radio show here in the Hudson Valley and and talk about my industry that I was just new in, excited about it. And uh, the show was called the Hudson Valley Top Talk Show. And what I did was is I brought on other you know other business owners, brewers in the industry, and just do what we're doing right now. The difference was it was in a radio show it was broadcasted locally. It was a not-for-profit station and, and I was in the studio and we would do it face to face. So it was a true like DJ kind of play music and shit like that. But um, what I learned from that is, is, is just uh, the backgrounds and where people came from and how they got to where they are. That really started to intrigue me. Um, forget about like, like uh, what you do, who are you? You know, that was that, that was the big thing for me. It's just like, all right, we know what you do, but who are you and how did you get there? Like what you're twisting trying almost similar to exactly what we're talking about now, you know, and and I, I, I gravitated to a 
so much that I actually went on to do like a special DJ show. And I just love being on the radio and talking about it and then bringing value to people. Anyway, you can't the homebrew shows. We did, uh, we had homebrewers come in. We had hop growers come in. We had more body, you know, growers, dryers come in, brewers come in, apprentice uh, assistant brewers come in and just getting perspectives from people in the industry, but different, uh, you know, different uh, occupation in the industry was was the insight was phenomenal to me and i just really really enjoyed it and uh, as you know um, um you know one of my goals is to get back in you know into the podcasting industry and and kind of continue that journey you know yeah. and when the time is right it'll happen exactly the um the podcast industry has 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 ingredients from you know radio but it's definitely not radio and and that you know, there's the, one of the main differences is like independency, right? You, the, you don't answer to sponsors. You don't necessarily, well, if you don't, you know, when you first start, you know, you don't typically have sponsors. Um, you don't have a boss. You just create whatever show you want, name it, whatever you want, do whatever the heck you want. It's the wild, wild west. Uh, that aspect I love about it, uh, with radio. Um, I think it's just personally, I think it's a dying industry in terms of like there. The only people that are listening necessarily to radio right now are, are boomers that are driving in their cars. Um, I mean, there aren't radio boom boxes in houses anymore. Right. So how, I mean, they're not getting onto their computers and listening to radio. Then probably if they are, they're listening to a podcast. Right. Uh, but I think it's an industry that's going to have to figure itself out very relatively quickly. Yes. Um, yes. And with podcasting, and I, and I appreciate that's actually how we connected because you're asking me, you know, telling me your story and, and, and how could it all unfold in a podcast. Like you said, you were you were ahead of the game. You, you were interviewing business owners in the industry and asking them about themselves when typically they're like, I'm supposed to be on radio and talk about my company. What are you doing, man? You know, I was like, nah, man, I want to know about you, Jim. Like, what makes you tick? <laughs> and they're like, true. they're like, true. screw off, Ken. <laughs> yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's what I love about podcasting. Like we dive deep into each other's stories and that's how people fall in love, man. That's, that's, that's the first step to, to doing business with each other. It's like, do I really like this person? Do I want to go into his establishment um, and, and, and break bread with him? It's cool because podcasting gives you that peak. You told me you listened to like 50 or over 50 episodes of my truly blessed that you, you know, invested the time with me. Um, but yeah, it's it's powerful, man. And and I highly encourage you. You know, I'm on I'm on your team. Um, you know, push that out, man. Uh, it's, it's gonna come. We already have yeah, when it when it happens. You know, it'll yeah, come we, when it comes. Yeah, the the name I think is is already there. It's it's the universe is calling. But um, so so let's let's know let's let's talk about where you are as we as we start to uh, I, I I look out the window and I see uh I, I see we're about to land shortly. We're breaking through the clouds, so we're gonna land the bird. But um. Right let us know where you are right now. Like where, what, what's happening? What's your focus? My focus right now, honestly, is, is continuing to grow the company, right? The, the Crossroads Brewing Company is a big part of my life. Um, but uh, I, I believe like before, you know, we were talking earlier about eureka moments and times when you really find yourself and, and you know, become really self-aware and, I got to believe it's, you know, part of me right now is really, really uh, focusing on giving back um, however way I possibly can. And if it's that, if, if, if that is through uh, beer, so be it. Um, you know, I'm 
do some mentorship stuff. I'm involved with some other, you know, organizations, the talent council, uh, champions council, um, like-minded people surrounding myself with like-minded people giving back. It's a big, it's a big deal. And I think this all kind of like came, came to a head maybe six months before COVID and then really, really progressed extremely, really quickly. Um, during the COVID time, because that gave, I think, a lot of people time to really search and, and think and, and really become self-aware of themselves and what is driving you and what's making you happy. Um, but I can tell you this, like going back to my childhood and, and, and thinking about things and how I grew up so angry. And we were talking earlier about time, like we don't want to waste time, how much time I wasted being angry and just like, like blaming everyone else for why. And this, and I come to the realization, um, and I don't know when it happened. Maybe, maybe we can call this the, the eureka moment when you had brought up earlier. But you know, my my mom, my mom had me when she was eighteen. She had three kids by the time she was twenty five. My father's father, my grandfather, died when he was thirty three. When my father was eleven, had me when he was eighteen years old. Um. I think when I finally got to a point where it was like, hey, they, they didn't, what did they know? Why am I blaming them? When I like, came to a forgiveness moment where I said, these, these were just young, young people had kids too early and we're trying to navigate through their lives just like we all are. And I'm here, who am I to blame them when they had no guidance? So it comes back generational, right? Like, like when I came to that realization and that forgiveness came through and I was just like, man, why, I, you know, the only person that I can blame is myself. Don't blame anyone else because I make my own choices and I only have to live with one person and that's myself, you know? So when all of that blame and all, of, and, and, and I started like, like saying all of those years, just like, like, what am I doing, man? Like I'm wasting so much energy and time on this shit, you know? And that was kind of like when everything, the floodgates opened, when I let that go. And I was just like, man, I'm blaming people who had no idea, had no father figure, had no mother figure, had no parental supervision whatsoever. Three kids at 25. Could you imagine? Three kids. I look at some of the kids today, 25 years old, they could barely tie their shoes. Could you imagine having three kids and working two jobs? Yeah. Like, Jesus, man. Yeah. Like, so give credit where credit is due and Absolutely. leave leave blame alone, you know, and take some accountability yep. for your own actions. 100%, yeah. man. Well, powerful message, man. We should, we, we should end there just because you got to absorb that, folks, because it's truly, truly true. And, and, and it's a message that I echo, you know, just taking ownership in life and not blaming others and not, you know, like anytime anything aggravates you, even when sometimes, you know, like I've gotten to the stage, Ken, where I, I just don't like my humor used to be based on making fun of people and like, and, and I do impressions, which I still do from time to time, but I love to do it in front of the person, you know, it's like right, the highest right. form of flattery, uh, but not everyone takes it that way. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've recently realized that that's low hanging fruit, man. Like yeah. making fun of other people to make other people laugh. Like you have to be smarter than that. And, um, and I think there's a way that we can all sort of just be better and, 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 and gain just even micro steps of awareness as we get older, because then the more aware we become, the better we are 
and the better we are, the better we are for others. And then the other people, and this is this ripple effect and it's a beautiful thing. Um, but let's also let people know how they can find you if you're in the upstate New York area, especially, um, or even, uh, you know, your website. So just, just let me put people know how they can reach you and get a hold of you. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can hundred percent just Google, uh, uh, Crossroads Brewing Company. It's going to come up. The website will come up. Um, you know, we're pretty, pretty high up on the Google search, um, to contact me directly. I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. Um, I really don't do too much Instagram. Um, you know, posting on Instagram or any of the other platforms, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, uh, every day with LinkedIn. I like to communicate that way. Um, you know, my, my email is, is also on my LinkedIn. You know, if anybody feels the need to reach out to me and discuss things, I'd be more than happy to. I'm a pretty open book. I'm pretty authentic. Um, the, I, I wear a lot of shit on my sleeve, you know, to a fault, maybe to some degree, but um, you, you know, you're always going to know where it's coming from. You know, um, there's, there's no, I'm not hiding behind anything. I am who I am. Uh, if we can bring value, like you said, you and I, or, or however we can bring value to one person to maybe give them something to think about or change the trajectory of something that's going bad. We've done our job, right? Absolutely. You know, brother. It's, it's the truth. And if we think about it that way, I think we all have a better chance of making the world a better place. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, brother. Amen. So thanks, man. Uh, we're going to make sure that people uh, hopefully reach out and find you. Crossroads Brewing Company. Dude, the milk stout. That's <laughs> the milk stout. That, that, what's the name of it? Official name of it? It's uh, Black Rock. Black Rock Stout. Black Rock Black Stout. Rock stout. It's killer. Yeah. If yeah, you can get no, a hold of that, folks, good. I want that right from the tap. Actually, I had it. <laughs> yeah. I had it from the can. Uh, but yeah, sounds like a road trip coming yeah, up, man. man. Yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, brother. Um, but that's what I love about your company and what you do, man. I mean, beer brings people together, um, and that's what all I'm all about, man. So right on, thanks man. for your Great. time, man. I can't thank you enough. I'm humbled. I'm flattered. I'm grateful. Um, I love the time spent with you. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Like I said, you're changing lives, whether you think you are or not. You are. Um, I'm telling you from a person that you've actually affected my life and, and I'm grateful and I'm, I'm thankful and, and, and really enjoying a friendship. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you too, man. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Yeah.